It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, September 21st, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Candidates running for local assembly discussed issues important to Sitka voters at a forum hosted by KCAW on Tuesday. Assembly candidates Tim Pike, J.J. Carlson, Austin Cranford, and Scott Saline shared their views on everything from housing to food security. But this year, a path forward in addressing the impacts of Sitka's tourist boom was at the top of the list. In particular, what candidates think of a community-led initiative to cap cruise visitors at 240000 next summer. Candidates were asked if they've read the ballot initiative and if they support it. Austin Cranford said he would sign the petition if asked. It's clearly showing that the community is, I don't want to say disillusioned, but they believe they're not being heard by the city and the assembly and all that. Uh, So if they want it on the ballot, then it should go on the ballot before the voters. There are legal and constitutional relevant questions regarding it, but I think we could figure that out as needed. I think this is mostly just saying, hey, Uh, The population is fed up with it. We need to do something before it gets any more out of hand than it already is. Candidate Scott Saline said he'd sign a petition to put the initiative on the ballot, but he didn't expect it to go anywhere. So it really has to be an industry uh, solution that the town's going to have to live with because the streets are the commons. The ocean is the commons. Federal taxes roll all of that. And McGraw's incurred expense, and Sitka's not going to be able to vote them a diminished capacity. It's got to be an industry uh, solution, and uh, I guess I'll still sign it, but I know how it's going to shake out in my own comic book mind just from how IFQs and the crab decision went through, and if you don't understand how that goes, I understand. Tim Pike, however, said if given the chance, he wouldn't sign the petition. Pike is a sitting assembly member. Earlier this year, the assembly established a tourism task force to look at how the city should address tourism growth, including the possibility of limiting cruise traffic. Pike wants to give that group more time to find a solution. And and I understand people are concerned, and we're in the midst of the summer season and season and People are seeing the buses go by, and they're right smack in the middle of it. So I understand people's frustration with this, and, and I share it. But, you know, the process that, that's going to give us the best outcome is, is not a divisive vote, one that pits, uh, you know, the people who are in the industry against the people who are concerned about it, but one that brings all the, the shareholders together. J.J. Carlson, a sitting assembly member who also helped establish the tourism task force, agreed. And I think this task force and a, you know, with the tourism industry locally, our neighbors in other port towns um, in Southeast, looking at other policies around the nation, um, that will get us a good response that will work for our short, short term, our medium term and our long term here in Sitka because of our local infrastructure. It is a private port Um, there is not as many opportunities to regulate as other towns and or other ways of spending that that head tax money. So we really have to look at this as cleanly as possible for a long-term solution. And I'm all about making solutions that serve everyone um, for the long run. 
While the ballot initiative was a hot topic, it's not up for consideration in the municipal election on October 3rd. If the ballot sponsors collect enough signatures over the next three months, the initiative could go out to voters this winter in a special election. You can listen to the full Assembly Candidate Forum on our website at kcaw.org. For years, volunteers have spent the odd Saturday morning restoring cemeteries on Douglas Island in Juneau. They've cleared dense foliage, unearthed and cleaned headstones, and flagged where more grave sites might be. Now, they're questioning whose job it is to maintain these sites. But as KTOO's Yvonne Crumry reports, the land's ownership has been debated for decades. Over the wine of weed whackers, about a dozen volunteers beat back bushes that cover old grave sites off of 3rd Street in Douglas. Stone markers lay at all angles. Stephanie Boma brought her two kids, Ori, who's five, and Yachty, who's two. Equipped with tiny rakes, they scoot leaves around the hillside. Boma says her family started volunteering at the cemeteries last summer because they want their kids to form a deeper relationship with the history and community around them. And every time we drive by, they always talk about the cemetery now. For three years, volunteers have been coming to the cemeteries to weed, clean gravestones, and clear brush. First, they worked on the Native Cemetery, a plot of land where Alaska Native people were buried for several decades, starting in 1901. Now, they've started caring for the other cemeteries in the area, like the Asian Cemetery and the old Douglas City Cemetery that only served white people. Now passing drivers can see the old headstones peeking out between trees on either side of the road, where they weren't visible before. But the volunteers can only do so much to fight the rainforest's creep. Jamie Ann Sechten Hasselquist, who organizes the cleanups, says she wonders what the city could do to help. All these volunteers coming together is just one more way to make things visible. And maybe that could add a little bit of of pressure to the city and borough of Juneau to step up and start maintaining this area. Mike Kinville says he loves the community that the cleanup days have created, but thinks there are parts of the work that the city could take on. For me, what would be perfect is some sort of partnership where the city provides some infrastructure and, and some supervision, like the branches we're cutting down. The city and borough of Juneau has long said that it's not clear who owns the land the cemeteries are on. Nearly 30 years ago, it conducted an inventory of historic grave sites that outlines a convoluted history of ownership. It says a mining engineer who owned the area verbally agreed to give the land to the city of Douglas, but refused to put that in writing. Now, the city's parcel map says some of the land on the east side of the road is owned by Douglas and former Juneau mayor Merrill Sanford. But Sanford says he only owns the Order of the Eagle Cemetery, which he maintains. It's fenced off from the rest of the graves. The parcel map also seems to show that the Catholic Church owns at least some of the land that the Native and Asian cemeteries are on. A representative of the Archdiocese of Anchorage in Juneau says that they're looking into that. Meanwhile, the cleanup job keeps getting bigger. Hasselquist says her team has uncovered dozens of other possible grave sites in the cemetery, they look like depressed rectangles in the land. The report that was done like 28 years ago uh, only had five of the Native people recorded and three of the Asian people recorded. She says she since flagged more than 70 possible unmarked graves in those two sites. Kinville says they found one buried headstone by accident last fall when a volunteer's rake screeched against it. There was a piece of marble, white marble underneath the moss and um, 
we dug it out and stood it up for the first time that headstone had been seen and I'm not sure how long. Across the road, Hasselquist shows the work they've done to make the Douglas Cemetery navigable again. She says that until recently, you couldn't walk through it with all the salmonberry bushes. Now, just a low covering of deer heart leaves is underfoot, and a toy fawn lies on one child's grave. There was a family that had been, they, they knew they had an ancestor buried there, but they didn't know where, so they bring flowers every year, and the kids come and help clean up, and, you know, there's a, they leave a stuffed animal there. Stories like these are why Kinville finds this work so valuable. Come across these people, these connections, these stories, it's like a form of time travel for me, and uh, it gives me a sense of connection to the community. Back at their plot, Ori and Yadi take care with the century-old grave marker they're raking around. Their dad, Ephraim Froelich, says that he and Boma want their children to grow up feeling invested in the communities around them. I think, I think kids should be aware of what's happening around them, and we try to talk, treat our kids like adults so they can be future responsible adults who aren't sheltered from important topics. Topics like mortality, Froelich says, and the long-standing erasure of indigenous culture. In Juno, I'm Yvonne Crumery. The combination of an El Nino year with record high sea surface temperatures in the Pacific Ocean has climatologists concerned about fall and winter storms along Alaska's coast. During a discussion Tuesday on Talk of Alaska, Alaska climate specialist Rick Tommen said that the combination of those two factors, on top of what is already the stormiest time of year for many parts of the state, make it likely this will be a wet fall and winter. Somewhere in Alaska is very likely to have extreme precipitation event uh, this winter because we've loaded the dice with the warm uh, ocean surface temperatures across the Pacific. We've loaded the dice with an El Nino in progress in the equatorial Pacific that will affect the storm track. So uh, really almost anywhere there is the potential for extreme precipitation um, in the coming uh, storm season. Tommen warned against relying too much on individual or community experience with past weather, saying recent years have pushed the envelope of what many thought was possible for extreme weather events in Alaska. We have certainly seen, uh, whether it's the Mendenhall River flooding in August or Murbach or, or a host of other events, that um, things happen that, uh, and are going to happen that we do not have experience with, that, that it will be worse. While these conditions are cause for concern, Tommen added that it still takes the right combination of several other factors for an individual storm to become an extreme event. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. Mm-hmm.